Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Matthew chapter number uh, Matthew chapter number five, Matthew five, and we're going to dive into the word for a few moments here this morning and uh, give attention to it, and uh, we'll really catch something that will be a help to us today. Matthew five and verse number one is where we'll be. Matthew 5 and verse number 1, and we're going to read a a portion of Scripture here that gives us context because context is very important to every piece of Scripture that we we read from and that we study, and so we want to have context, all right? Matthew 5 and verse number 1, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, he was sitting, uh, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I have a question for you this morning. Are you hungry for righteousness? Are you hungry for the truth? Well, are you? Uh, We need this more than anything, more than lunch today, more than anything. We need uh, the the truth of God's word. Verse number seven, blessed are they are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now let's get to an application. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has, have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing." But, that, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Read verse 16 again with me. Ready and begin. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we do give you this time and ask that you speak in our hearts. Uh, Lord, we need your word. We need your guidance. You preached this message 2,000 years ago to disciples like us. And it is no less relevant to, uh, to, uh, to us today. Lord, we need this message. I pray that we would pay attention to it. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of Brother Patak and uh, what he shared with us today, and really just the, the message that he brought to us today. I pray that you would help us to, uh, to take it to heart and to go forward from this day, uh, taking everything you've taught us today and uh, applying it into our lives. Now, Lord, we give attention to your word willingly because we know it is the light of life. We know that it is the, the source of growth. Lord, this word has the power to change us. I pray that you would change us today. And I pray that it would um, make something uh, different in our hearts that would make an eternal difference in our lives and those around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. As we come to this passage of Scripture, this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, a special message that Jesus preached to disciples like you and me, a message that you and I need. Now, as we look at this, as we started, and I read the context on purpose because we need to understand what Jesus is trying to do and what he's laying down. If you notice the first 12 
verses really had to do a lot with things that are internal, things that are heart issues, things that are such as purity and things as, as humility and our response to those that would oppose our Christian faith. And he, he lays all this out and he's really shooting at the heart level, shooting at the issues of the heart. What's interesting here is as he preaches chapters 5 through 7, he really is uh, laying down a groundwork, or work, a kind of a constitution, if you will, for the coming kingdom that has not yet come. That Really, the, the specific application could be towards that, his coming kingdom, how we are to act in that coming kingdom. But here's the thing. You know that Jesus didn't set up his earthly kingdom when he came the first time, right? He did not. He set up a spiritual kingdom. He he announced a spiritual kingdom that would be set up in the hearts of man and that would, uh, this rulership that would be built into our lives that each one of us need to be allowing him to build into our lives. So is it important that we are poor in spirit, that we're spiritually needy before him? Yes or no? Yes, it is. And he says that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is it important that we mourn and are broken before him? Yes, it is. It has its place. And the, that, that spirit of contrition. What about hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. What about mercy? Yes or no? Yes. What about purity, holiness? Yes or no? We've lost that today. We have so lost that today in, in our churches, churches like ours where we'll come in and we so compartmentalize our lives that we have our Monday through Friday, Saturday life and we have our Sunday life. God isn't about that. He says, blessed are the pure for they shall see God. Those are the ones that are going to be in touch with God. Those are the ones that are going to be in communication with God. Purity, and he, he announces that. Blessed are the peacemakers, those that have peace in their hearts, peace with God, first of all, but it flows out in their making a peace among among. Uh, the community among the brethren and so on and so all these things are there and then he gets down to hey this is how i want you to respond and this is how i want you to, uh, to respond to persecution those that would oppose your faith so many times we're affronted we're like well i'm just going to quit then if they don't like the way i i stand if they don't want like the way i think if they don't like the truth i'll just keep it to myself and jesus says no you ought to rejoice you ought to do a lap. You ought to be happy when you are, uh, are opposed because you realize that that, that is a, a token that you're actually doing the right thing. So he, he, he sets in on all these heart-level things. He's trying, to, he's trying to tell us, this is what I want you to be uh, developing in your heart. This is what I want you to be allowing me to develop in your heart. But I don't want your religion, I don't want your, your relationship with me just to be what's in the heart. I want it to come out in, in demonstration. I want it to be practiced in your life. You see, that belief, according to Christ, always drives our behavior. It always flows out. So what Jesus wanted to develop in the heart and the Beatitudes in his disciples, he wanted them to demonstrate. And the demonstration of that is verses 13 through 16. And these common verses that we often throw around, your salt and your light. Oh, well, where does that fall in? It's after Jesus says, this is what I want to be going on in your heart. Friends, you cannot be salt and light if Jesus is not developing the Beatitudes in your heart. You cannot be salt and light if your heart is, at a, is a stormy sea where you're not allowing Jesus to calm that and bring his peace by his Holy Spirit. You cannot, you cannot be salt and light if you're constantly uh, offended by the opposition of evil around you. They're going to oppose truth, are they not? Always. Satan is going to oppose it until he's cast into the lake of fire for the last time. So we cannot, we cannot see the salt in life be the reality in our life, be the demonstration in our life, if we do not get down what Jesus was saying is Beatitudes. I've studied through this. We've led the church through on the, the teaching on the Beatitudes. They're tremendous. My focus today is the takeaway. Now, every time we gather in church, Jesus is working in our hearts to change our heart. Uh, in our, he's, he's working there to change our heart. He wants heart change that results in action. And that takeaway, those actions are found in, in verses 13 through 16. So that's what we're going to look at today. And I want us just to catch the, the outline simple. Your salt and your light, all right? Let's, uh, let's dive into it and look at it a second time. In fact, um, so many times we come to familiar passages of Scripture like this, and we're like, I've heard this before. Could you put the I heard this before aside? And would you try to grab something today? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you something? He is the, the writer of this book, right? Right? You with me? Would you ask him to teach you something today? Because we didn't gather here just to, you know, I, I've heard this before. You, this, this time is valuable. We need to grab from, um, from God what he wants us to hear. And so he says, You're, you are salt, ye are the salt. Now notice there in verse number 13, he says ye. He's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the unbelieving. 
Now, there's probably more up there on that mountainside. In fact, there, if you guys, if you show me that picture, uh, uh, up on the mountainside, there's a, there's a mountain there in, uh, up around the Sea of Galilee they call the Mount of Beatitudes, whether that's a specific place. But we do know there was some mountain around the Sea of Galilee that he has gathered a group of people up there, his disciples, his 12, probably some others that were following him at that point. And he is teaching them, uh, overviewing the, the Sea of Galilee, he's teaching them these wonderful lessons in this Sermon on the Mount. And as he teaches them, he says, hey, he looks at them, just like I'm looking at you, and he says, you... You are, my, uh, are, are the, the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And he gets very personal. Jesus' teaching is always personal, individual. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. And he, wants, uh, he wanted them to know that. And I want you to know that. There is no other place that is, is it, no other people that is salt except for believers. Except for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we think that the world is going to be changed for the better, is going to be brought to Jesus Christ by someone else. It's not going to happen, friends. You are it. As you go into your workplaces, you are it. As you go into the stores, you are it. As you go into the community, you're it. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're the salt. Not everyone that's gathering in the marketplaces around the Sea of Galilee and buying wares is the salt of the earth. You, disciples, are the salt of the earth. As Christians, you are the salt of the earth. In fact, it's not programs. There's a lot of good programs in communities, isn't there? But they're not the salt of the earth. In fact, it's not places. This building isn't the salt of the earth. Just people driving by Grace Baptist Church doesn't, you know, it doesn't in and of itself uh, create salt in their life and produce salt in their life. We, as individuals, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, are salt. And so I want us to notice the function of this salt. Look at verse number 13. He says, you are the salt. You are the salt. So why does he use that illustration? Salt in Bible days had a variety of, of uses. It flavored food. Like, I don't know about you, but I like salt in my food. How many of you salt it before you even taste it? Look at you. J.C. Penney would not have hired you. Did you know that that was one of his, uh, one of his uh, uh, little tests when he would go to interview a person to take them out to eat? If they'd salt first, he wouldn't hire them. Uh, very interesting. But nonetheless, I salt food <laughs> before I eat it. Uh, I love salt. But they, they use it just like we do uh, to, um, to flavor food. They would even sometimes put it in uh, animals' food, according to Isaiah 30 and verse 24. Um, they didn't have the refrigeration back in those days uh, like we do today. And so what did they do? They used salt to preserve things. So it was very much... Uh, not just a flavoring, but it was a preservative. It is even used sometimes uh, medicinally. They would rub newborn babies with salt uh, back in those days. And you can, you can find that in Ezekiel 16, verse number uh, 4. So there was a lot of different uses. But as one commentator said, they were to the world, what Jesus was saying, they were to the world what salt is to everyday life. Salt seasons food. It hinders the spread of corruption. It creates a thirst. It brings out the flavor. So his followers would add... Uh, would add to human society such as a preservative and make others long for the righteousness described in the preceding verses. They, uh, their lives were to cause people to long for what he taught in the Beatitudes. And so he says, you're the salt. Just like salt preserves, just like salt flavors, you're the salt of the earth. What are you to be doing? What is your function in the earth? To preserve. To preserve against the corruption that is constantly coming against us. Do you agree with that? How many of you see the corruption that's just, it, I mean, it, it seems like it's swelling over. Have you ever seen, a, uh, have you ever tried to uh, microwave a marshmallow? Some of you are looking, um, the kids are mostly out, but you know, this is going to happen this afternoon. But you know how it just, I mean, just swells up. Doesn't it feel like corruption is just swelling up right now? I mean, it's just everywhere. And at some point, uh, we realize it's, it's going to all come crashing down because corruption never, never goes on without, you know, without falling. Um, but the fact is, we are to stand against that. We are to preserve against that corruption. And that is part of our duty. That's what Jesus was saying. You are the salt of the earth. No one else is going to stand up and say, I believe in life. No one else is going to say, I believe in truth. Satan doesn't lead people to do that. Satan doesn't lead the, evil work, or lead the evil workers to do that. We are the salt of the earth, and we are also to season, give the savor of Christ. Do you know how important your words and your attitude and your actions are in, in life? Well, Jesus says in Colossians 4 and verse number 6, let your speech be always with, uh, with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to answer every man. 
You know how you talk to your coworkers and how you talk out in town and all that should be seasoned. Uh, our lives ought to, ought to cause people to sense the savor of Christ, the savor of grace, the, the taste of grace, if you will, the taste of Christ. Your life, as people experience you, they ought to be tasting Christ. They ought to be tasting the goodness of the Lord through your life. You know, sometimes, honestly, it, it, it can be difficult. Uh, do we ever go into depression, and do we ever struggle to, with discouragement? Yes, we do. Uh, we're human. But the fact is we need to be seeking, uh, seeking the Lord. This is, our, this is our calling. This is what Christ has said. You are the salt of the earth. It's not going to happen anywhere else. Think about it. On Sunday mornings like this across our nation, and it might be down because of the, um, because of the last uh, year and a half, but uh, some 82 million people will sit in church services like this. They will engage in some sort of church service. And you would think that at some point there ought to be enough salt in our country to, to stay off some of the evil. But the fact is, we'll see in a moment, it's not, it's not uh, the reality. But there are many who say, you know, I'll sit in a church and I'll, 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 I'll engage in some sort of religion. Jesus is calling us as his disciples not to just sit, but to be salt, to be salt. I want us to notice what Jesus gets to. I'm just following along in the verses. Jesus gets right to this, the failure of salt. But if the salt has lost his savor, but if the salt, he says, you are, but what happens if the salt loses its savor? What happens if it loses its, its, its purpose? And notice this, in Palestine, you know, there was a lot of salt. In fact, um, if you remember, the, the Dead Sea produces a lot of salt, right? Um, and that's a pretty, um, pretty amazing thing, just a, a ton of salt. But, you know, a lot of that salt that is harvested, if it would come in contact with the with the ground and get, uh, uh, get contaminated. It would just start to dissolve. It would, it'd start to, uh, it would start to corrupt itself and really would lose its, uh, lose its uh, potency. It would lose its saltness, if you will. And so uh, when the impurities got in, it, it, it really destroyed the salt. And you'd think, well, you know, uh, isn't there some use? No, it, it was, as Jesus said, it, it had no good use but to be thrown out and to be trodden under the feet of men. In fact, the reason Jesus said that was if, if a person were to take that salt, you think, well, there's, there's dirt in there, and it wouldn't it be all right to throw it out into the field or whatever? No, even if that, that corrupted salt was thrown out in the field, it would, it would make the ground uh, to not be fertile. Uh, it wouldn't grow. And so farmers were highly against it being thrown out into their fields uh, and, and wasted out there. The only place that it was safe to throw is where men would walk over the top of it. Do you, you, you get the importance of this? That when salt, when salt has taken on some impurity, it becomes useless. And this was a, this was a picture that they, were, they would all get there in Palestine. They understood there's a lot of salt pits, there's a lot of salt that was being produced in, in their time, but no man, no man would allow that to be thrown on their field. It, it couldn't be used there. It had to be thrown in the, on the on the, on the roadside or on the road where men would just uh, walk over the top of it and they could get this picture, uh, the absolute uselessness of the salt. You're not gonna put it up, bottle it, and put it in, on your table. No, 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 it goes on the road where you just tr uh, trample over it. I want you to think about this. What made salt useless is its loss of potency. And let's just apply this for a moment to our own lives as believers. The loss of influence the loss of being able to preserve from corruption, the loss of the ability to, to flavor uh, and give, uh, give good taste. And what is it that causes us to lose our potency in life? What is it that causes a believer like you sitting in a church like this to go out on Monday and not have potency as you uh, interact with your coworkers and as you interact with your family and as you interact with the public? What is it that causes you to lose your influence or not be salt? And I suggest to you this, first of all, confirmation to the world. It's running rampant. And it's not in churches out there. Do you know, you know something? I'm not preaching to churches out there. My job is to preach to the Grace Baptist Church, the people that have gathered here. Do you know that you and I lose our potency because we get conformed to the world? Jesus didn't, he didn't say, you know, it's so easy to, to find the problems in other people's lives, right? But we get conformed. Have you ever stopped and just asked ask Jesus, is there anything in my life that you'd like out of my life? When was the last time you asked him about that? 
mean, I, I, think, I think we should, we should stop and ask them, do you want any impurities out? I think there's a Bible verse, uh, something like, uh, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Right? Uh, giving him permission, uh, Romans 12 and verse number 1, it, it tells us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And this sacrifice needs to be pure. And so he says, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into their mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you might demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And listen, friends, we can't do the will of God. We can't be the salt we need if we are conformed to the world. The world is not going to be changed by something that is identical to it. And so we must be very careful not to allow the impurities of this world to infiltrate and come into our lives. It will cause us to lose our saltiness. When we talk about saltiness, we're not talking about being nasty and harsh. Uh, you notice what Colossians 4, 6, it talks about having that, that speech that's seasoned with grace. I don't know about you, but that, that's a, a firm but loving type of speech. That is the truth in love. The truth in love. So our saltiness does not come from confirmation to the world. It comes by transformation to Jesus Christ. The more transformed you are to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more salt and more salty you'll be to this world. And friends, just mark it down. That's what Jesus Christ is calling us to. And here's something that is just enormously important for us to, to grab a hold of. Salt must be pure in order to influence. Salt must be pure in order to influence. Now, I want to just challenge us for a moment here. And I know that some of us, you know, some will not like this, and I know there's plenty of Christians that, that, that won't like this, and there's many other ways that I could apply this to. But on this, the 31st of October, there's something that goes on, on today, right? I'm telling you, there are believers who have stepped right into Satan's territory by celebrating Halloween. We dress up as in darkness, in witch out outfits, and we go around, oh, it's fine, oh, it's fine. Friends, there's so much confirmation to the world that has happened right now. I cannot walk through the store and look at these, these things and say, you know what, that, that, that really looks like something that a Christian ought to be involved in. You know, I, I'm walking up, walking, taking a walk with my wife, and uh, now it's just, it, it's amazing how, how prevalent it is gaining speed. And I'm walking past uh, uh, um, a house, and there's body parts all over the yard, and rest in peace signs, and there's, there, there's ghosts hanging from the tree, and all this thing. You know, I just think, you know what, that, that really exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot, you cannot go to Scripture and find a reason you should be celebrating that. You can't. I can go to Scripture and find reasons that I shouldn't be involved in that and a whole lot of other things the world is doing. A whole lot of other things. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And if that, if that offends you in your Christianity right now, I ask you to take it up with Jesus Christ and talk to him about it. Now, friends, let me just say this. There are many other areas where Christians get involved in the works of darkness. Lying, adultery, uh, uh, stealing, cheating, uh, hypocrisy, pride, many other areas. But it's the 31st, so I thought I'd throw it out to us today that this is something that really Christians need to start standing up against. And maybe it'd be a day to just go home and take down the declaration and say, you know what, this doesn't honor Christ. This is an honor. Uh, maybe it's a day you say, well, what will I do? I've been invited to a Halloween party. There are many times where Christians have had to say, we don't do that. Well, I'm, I'm invited to the bar. I don't drink. I don't believe that honors God. Well, I've been invited to a Halloween party. You know, that's just something we don't get involved in. And, and we give a reason for it. Give a reason to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that lieth within you with, uh, with, uh, with meekness and fear. And so we, we want to highlight Jesus. I don't want to highlight death. Jesus came to conquer death. Why in the world would I celebrate that and promote that? Why in the world? But it's happening all over. And, and friends, I just want to say this. One of the reasons that we as a church are not going to get involved in, and, 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 and quasi have something that, that, that looks like it but isn't really it is because of that. 
Now, we can, we can uh, preach Christ and we can welcome people in, in, in many other times of the year, but listen, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to try to be conformed to get as close to the edge as possible on this matter. So you're not going to see me just change the wording and invite everyone in. We're, we're going to do a trunk or treat. We're just going to get really close to it. Friends, come out from among them and be ye separate. That's what gives us our saltiness. And so there are ways that we can reach out and there's ways that we can preach the gospel, but I don't need the world's method to promote the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need that. I don't need their holiday to do that. And so I I challenge you on that matter. We can't be salty if we are impure. Now, there's another thing, because here's what happens. This is what, there's two sides. There's those that conform to the world and and they lose their saltiness. And then there's another side of this. There's those that isolate from the world. Well, we, we're just going to stay inside of our church. We're going to stay away from everything. We won't get out in the public. We'll make sure that our kids never see and never around anyone. We're going to be completely isolated. And you know what? As much as the impurity removes our saltiness, so does an isolation. You say, hold on. Aren't we to be separate? Yes, he said separate, but not isolated. In fact, if you go to on John chapter 17, verse 15, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Did you notice that? I pray not. Jesus praying to his Father about you and me. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. Isolated, not isolated, but insulated. Uh, insulated from the evil is what he's praying. And he says in verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Amen sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so the the key is, a believer that's going to be salt is going to be one who is being sanctified, being set apart by the word of truth, is is being insulated from the world, but is not isolated. So you can have those that are conformed to the world, you know, everything's all right. You know, really, we can find, this, this gets me, Hollywood produces a movie and churches jump on board and try to put study guides out on how to find some biblical truth inside of the the Hollywood movie. You think that's crazy. It happens all the time. Go to these these gangbuster churches and 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 see what is going on inside of them where they're where they are they are focused in on trying to, to redeem something out of culture. Friends, we are to be separate. So we're not to be conformed to them, but we're not to be isolated. We live in this world. And so I want you to catch another truth. Salt must touch in order to influence. Salt must touch in order to influence. The people you're going to meet with this week need the touch of salt in their life. Well, I don't agree with them. They all the more need um, the touch of salt in your life. They need to hear you pray for them. They need to hear you um, give a word of truth to them. And here's an amazing thing about that. We can get so, so focused on being inside of our churches and, and just focus on this is what we do and this is, this, is the, this is the totality of my Christianity. No, Jesus wanted us to get out there and be salt in this world. He didn't say you're salt inside the church. Listen, think about this. Salt does no good inside the salt shaker. Well, it doesn't. Wow, this, this, this really helped my food. No, it does no good inside the salt shaker. We have to get out. We have to get out. We have to be out there and focus. And as I think about that, Lifeway did a research and, and found that, that over the last six months, evangelicals, those claiming that they were evangelicals, over half of them had not shared Jesus Christ with anyone. Where is our salt, friends? Where is our salt? If we're not opening our mouths and declaring the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not being the salt of the earth. You cannot, you cannot define it any other way. You say, well, I'm, I'm just not good. Friends, you need to take the initiative to do all you can to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that lieth within you with meekness and fear. But if we're not sharing Jesus Christ, we are not being the salt of this earth. We are not doing what we ought to do. We are not doing what he's called us to do. This is what he wants us to do. There's 82 million, as I mentioned, uh, people that will sit in churches, but uh, only 30 million of those say, I will voice my Christian values in the public square. You wonder why the public is the way it is? You wonder why the corruption is, is there? Because believers have said, you know what? It's not popular. People might think I'm weird. People might think that I'm, I just, I'll just stand back. 30 million? Who say, I won't voice my, 
I won't voice Christian values in the public square. You wonder why we're in the, in the situation we're in in our country today? Do you wonder? It's because believers like you and me that have withheld our voice from the public square. We have no one to blame but ourselves. We have no one to blame but ourselves. When you think of it, you can take it a little bit further. In elections, over four, um, 40 to 50 million uh, churchgoers that don't vote. And if that's one of you, I pray, that, I pray that right now you'll determine I'm going to vote every time from here on out. Why? Because that's a part of your salt. That's a part of you holding back the corruption. Why, would I, why do I vote? Because I want those that believe in, in life. I want those that believe in our, our police department. I want those that believe in, in work and not socialism. I want those that believe in teaching our, our children that we're all made in the image of God. This is important, friends. And we have so, Satan has done a wonderful work at causing believers to think, you can just go to your church, sit inside, hear messages, sing songs, and that's all that you need to do for Jesus Christ. You don't need to come out here and spread any of that out here. Salt has to touch in order to influence. Who are you going to touch this week? You say, I don't know many people. Who are you going to get to meet and work to have a relationship with? People sometimes ask me, well, how do you know all these people? You just, you look for opportunities. I have a purpose in being out there. I want to meet more and more and more people. I want to have cell phone numbers. I want to know more and more people. Why? So I have more and more chance to influence their life. You can do the same exact thing. Just seek opportunities. Salt must touch in order to influence. Salt does not function from a distance. And the American church, and yes, even our church has come through a time where we were very content to be inside these four walls. Friends, we need to be busting out. This is just preparation time. Do you see what uh, the sign on the outside uh, as you leave the building, as you leave the, as you leave the parking lot? You are now entering the... Right. Why? We came here to get stirred up, to get empowered, to go out there and declare Jesus Christ be salt and light for him. Now, that's just the first illustration. Salt. We're salt. That's what he said. Now, how good of salt are we? That's the question. But you're also the light of the world, verse 14 through 16. Notice the people of light. He again says, ye, ye, you, you're light. You're light. If you've received Jesus Christ today, you're light. You're light. Now, Israel was supposed to be the light. Isaiah 49, verse number 6 established them to be a light to the Gentiles. What did they do? It's all about us. It's all about us. God is so good. Thank you, God, for your blessings to us. We want to keep it all to ourselves. And they just held it all in. So God intended them to be the light to the nations. They were not the favorite child of God that God just poured out all of his blessings on and was supposed to stay there. They were to be blessed so that they could uh, give light to the whole world and bring all to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it says that that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. God has always had one goal, to bring all men into reconcilia uh, reconciliation with himself. And Israel was supposed to be his first missionary. Actually, God was the first missionary coming down into the Garden of Eden, but Israel was his people that was to bring the nations to, um, to salvation in God. But they, they failed, and they have been set aside for a time. God will continue to work with them, but they've been set aside for a time, and right now he's working through people like you and me, the church the church and he intends you to be the light of the world and he says in john 8 and verse number 12 i am the light of the world now notice he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life are you there this morning could you go to john chapter 8 and verse number 12 i want to make sure that you have that marked there and notice the correlation here he says i am the light yes i am the light and he is the light of the world praise the lord for that and, and it's a clear light it's a bright light it's a, a beaming light that uh, jesus has given for us i am the light of the world maybe mark down um, mark down here and make sure that you go back and really meditate on this i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have but shall have the light of life so jesus i am these this is one of the seven i am statements in the book of john i am the light of the world he is that light that's coming in the world he is he is to bring light to the darkness that is everywhere within the world you see that in john three sixteen. all over john you see this correlation jesus being the light of the world but he says christians that my disciples shall have the light how well did you notice what he says there 
How is it that they're going to have the light? Do a little bit of work with me this morning. How is it that they're to have the light? What? Following me. Very good. Very good. Following me. What is the follow? Uh, to behave in accordance with. So what's Jesus saying? Those that, yes, believe on me, but then take my word and begin to allow their lives to be transformed, to be set apart, to be sanctified through thy tr truth, thy word is truth. Those are the ones that will have the light. Do you know that you don't have light? You don't have light when you're walking contrary to this book. In fact, you bring great darkness, and as David said, you cause the enemies of God to blaspheme. Are you with me? That's serious. You know what's humbling about that? Every single one of us have that potential. Every single one of us have that, that potential even this week to, to not be the light that we ought to be because we didn't follow something that Jesus told us to follow. How many of you are with me? I don't, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. But it, it's clear, isn't it, there? That, that Jesus is the light. If I follow him, I will have light. I will have light. I only get light from him. I do not get light from my personality. I do not get light from my connections. I do not get light because I walked into this building. I get light because I have followed him. And that is something we are to do. So following Jesus and having light are absolutely inseparable. So if you're not following the Lord, and you can't say with an affirmative, I am following him. That is my whole heart. Everything about my life revolves around the Lord Jesus Christ. All my priorities, everything I do, my decisions, they all focus in. And what does Jesus want me to do? Then we are not we are not the light that we ought to be if that isn't the truth in our life. So he says, those that follow me, they will have the light. We've been endowed with this light. We've been entrusted with this light. What? What an opportunity. What a privilege that God would put into us, these earthen clay vessels, this light, that he would give us the ability to take his light out into this world. How astounding is that? That, that's what we get to do. And it totally changes. You don't go to work just to get a paycheck, friend. You go to work there to be a light. God has placed you in that, that workplace. God has placed you in that neighborhood to be a light. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said here uh, that there's a potential that, that people, the people of light, can hide that light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So if we are following him, we can't be hid. Uh, we'll see in a moment. Mm, sometimes... There is a, a failure in that department. But if you're following Jesus, you cannot be hid. What is hiding? It's to conceal. You can't be concealed. A person walking with the Lord cannot be concealed. Have you ever been walking through a, a grocery store or somewhere and, and just noticed on someone's face a smile or their countenance and realized there's a believer without even talking to them? It can't be concealed, friend. You see the darkness that is setting in people's eyes these days? The darkness... There ought to be light in our eyes. You don't, have to, you don't have to work that up. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. You will have the light of life in you if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. As you get into the word every day, as you allow God to change and, 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 and transform you, you will have the light of life. Your thankfulness will, will just be beaming. It will be there. It will be a, a, a beaming light to this world around you that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Your integrity, your work ethic, your smile, your joy, your care of your family, the way you talk about your wife, men. Isn't it amazing how people talk about the, what, the old lady? You know, the, the, just the, the rudeness with which they treat the person that they've uh, taken a vow to. Uh, the way you talk about your wife at work. Your prayer. Your use of God's word. You're always bringing up God's word. Well, praise God. <laughs> praise God. There's a, there's a Bible thumper. Now, you know, God quickly tells us to speak it in truth, but friends, if the world is saying that you're always bringing the word of God into every conversation, praise his name. Praise his name. I, I do not remember, and this isn't, this isn't putting down anyone else, but I do not remember um, a, a funeral service uh, being able to more platform the Lord Jesus Christ than the one this past week. And uh, if, you, if you did not watch Miss Joanne's funeral service, go back and, and watch the sweet time. By the way, thank you all for giving your testimonies. I thought as I was sitting there uh, just over and over how that our church got up and gave testimony, and most of it just revolved around Jesus Christ. And as the family got up, they, they, they appreciated what you saw. But did you notice, did you notice Joanne herself described a past life? 
But do you notice what was exalted at her funeral? Her life in Jesus Christ. Her life. Her light is what it was. Her light. And that's what, that's what impacted us about her. No one, no one denied. Boy, this lady was unmistakable in who she followed in the light that she bore. And a lot of it came out in the words that she said from Scripture. What an amazing thing. And Jesus said, if you, uh, to those that believed, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Those that allow the word to transform them, those are the ones that are being the light. Those are the ones that will have the light of life within them. Now, notice the people of light have a purpose. What's the purpose of light? Why did we turn these lights on this morning? To see? I turned these lights on this morning, or we turned these lights on this morning to shine, to give light. And it's real simple. The purpose of light is to give light. The purpose of light is to give light. The reason you are in this world is not to gain a certain paycheck. You have to do that. The reason you're in this world is not to get more toys or to get a certain position in life. The reason you're in this world is to give light, to give the light of the Lord Jesus Christ that you have within you from following after him, uh, to give that awareness of reality. Uh, you get up in the morning, if there's not lights, if, uh, if someone moves something uh, in your house, you might stumble into it. Every once in a while, I walk down into my kid's room because uh, there is just every once in a while they don't clean up after themselves. Just every once in a while. Not all the time, just every once in a while. They won't, they won't clean up. The, and I'll stumble into Legos or something like that, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about? And boy, that hurts. Why? Because there wasn't light. There wasn't light. The world's stumbling around. But light gives awareness of reality, awareness of truth, awareness. The world would like to go on thinking that their lives are going to go on forever. Your light gives them reason to understand, gives awareness to understand this life is not forever. This life will end at some point. We're accountable to a holy God. The purpose of light is to give light. And he says that neither do men uh, light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. They put it up in a prominent place. We didn't put these under the pews. We put them up on the ceiling where they can give light. We didn't put them in the back rooms. We put them up in the ceiling where they can give light. They put the candle up on a, on a candlestick where it can give light to all that are in the house. And he says that the purpose there, it, it giveth light unto all that are in the house. It, it doesn't help us to hide our light under a bushel. I'm a light at church. No, you need to be a light out there. Yes, you need to shine brightly for Jesus Christ and hear our, one another, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We need the light of each other, don't we? Light is contagious, isn't it? When you see someone else being transformed by the, the, the goodness of God and by the word of God, it, it, it helps you to see, I need to do that too. It spurs you on. But the light needs to be shown out there. It needs to be put on a candlestick out there. Where, are the, where is the place where you're going to shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ this week? What opportunities are you going to create? What, what opportunities are you going to seek God for so you can shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, we hide our light when we don't practice his word. We hide it. So, have you ever found that believers really, uh, unbelievers really know what Christians ought to be doing? Sometimes they know the Bible better than us. You know how we ought to be. So when we don't practice his word, it, it dims our light. What about when we don't proclaim his word? When we muffle the message? When we don't say what we need to be saying? When we water the message down? When we don't proclaim it? We've been given the word of reconciliation. We need to shine that into the, into the world. When we don't practice his word, uh, he says in 1 John 1 and verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So both are necessary. If we're not going to hide our light, we need, to be, we need to be practicing his word and we need to be proclaiming his word in our society. The whole world dwells in rebellion and darkness. They're deceitful. They deny God. They hate those that stand for truth. They despise those that prevent or stand in the way of them doing evil. They devalue human life. They dismiss Christ. The whole world is lying in sin. They're lying in darkness, are they not? We have been put in this world to be a light to them. And so Jesus said of himself, I'm coming to the world that whosoever believeth on me shall not, should not abide in darkness. That's your purpose too. We're his ambassadors. We're his representatives. In fact, Ephesians says it very well. You think that, what a great transformational verse. Ephesians 5 verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness. Do you remember back to when you were darkness? 
when you thought only of evil, when you thought of only of self and you're full of pride and before Christ, he says, for you are sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. That's our purpose, friends, to give light, to declare the light, to show the light. And you know what? You might be the only light that some people will see this week. You might be the only believer they come in contact with. And what kind of light will you be? Will you be bright? Will you be clear? Will you be uh, focused? What kind of light will you be? And you say, well, I don't know how to be a, a light. Get into the word and allow the word to be in your heart and let it come out. Let him transform you and you will be a bright light. And so I quickly uh, go to a, a last thought here. The people of light fulfill their purpose. When they fulfill their purpose, it's very powerful. Because notice in verse number 16, I want you to read it out loud again with me. Uh, verse number 16, Matthew 5. You all there? Say amen if you are. All right, Matthew 5, verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what is the power of light? To illuminate. That's its power. It causes darkness to flee. It exposes the darkness. We did not have to scoop the darkness out of this room when we turned on the light. The light automatically sent the darkness to flight. It, it put it to flight. It illuminated it. It overpowered it. And it's an amazing thing. So Jesus says, uh, you know, how do, how do you deal with the darkness in the world? Let your light shine. Illuminate. Be who Christ called you to be. Be that salt. Be that bright witness for him. Just simply allow Christ to shine through you. How do we shine? Your good works, he says. Your good works. Now, are we saved by good works, yes or no? No, I'm, I'm really glad all of you said no. We're, not, we're saved by faith, right? In Jesus Christ alone. Praise the Lord for that. It's a gift. And if you've not yet come to the Lord Jesus Christ today, I would encourage you. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept that free gift by faith. Accept his payment for your sin. And he will give it to you. But here's the, the thing. He says that your good works that flow from your faith are going to be that light to the world. They're going to see your good works. They're going to see your care. They're going to see your compassion. They're going to see you stopping to, to pray. They're going to see your generosity, all those things, your obedient living, your kind words, the light in your eyes. They're going to see this, and they're going to glorify your Father, which is in heaven. They're going to realize, hey, they're following something that I'm not following. This is important. This is real. And they're going to accept that. And so it's so important that we shine, that we illuminate. We allow God to, to shine through us. First Peter 2 and verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what's our job? Simply get out there and illuminate. Let the, let the word go. Let the word out. Let it be known. Let it be seen in, in the public. And you know what? I find in Galatians chapter 1, I'm reading through Galatians again, Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 23 and 24, Paul illustrates this beautifully because he comes from being a persecutor of the church to being a preacher of the faith, verse 23. And you know what? The last verse, one of my favorite verses, Galatians 1 and verse 24, he says, and they glorified God in me. I don't know about you. I want that to be the case. I want people not to see me. I want them to glorify God in me. So there's this great transformation. And Paul didn't have to work to be a light. He just was because God is transforming him. God was changing him. And who got glorified? Paul? No. God did. And they glorified God in me. And that's exactly what it is to be this light. He allowed God to change him. He allowed God to, to, to uh, take him and transform him from a persecutor to a preacher of the gospel to declaring. Even in the same city that he went to persecute, he started preaching Jesus Christ. They ran him out of the city. Pretty amazing. But he let his light shine. And can I give you this truth? Light must shine in order to illuminate. Light must shine. You say that's really elementary. But how is it that so often we don't? Light must shine. Where is your little light going to shine this week? Who's going to illuminate? Uh, what is it going to point to? It's time to get the bushels off. It's time that we let our lights shine. It's time that we're prepared to witness. It's time that we're, we have tracks in our pockets that we're ready to give a word of witness. It's time that we are noticing the cares that people are burdened down with. Hey, are you doing all right? Just being friendly to people. Hey, how are you doing? 
show them tr- Christ. How many interactions uh, of Christ were actually scheduled? You know, all right, I'm going to go here and I'm going to see this blind man. No, he's, he's walking along the way. There's a man with a need. I'm going to stop and take care of him. You know, God's going to interrupt your life this week and give you an opportunity to be a salt and light. Are you going to take it or are you going to say, no, I've got I, I to gotta get to the grocery store. You know what I'm saying? We gotta, we gotta be serious about this deal. This is why we're here. You are salt and you are light. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. And that message still rings true to us today. So where should we be the salt? Tell me. Let's work for a moment. Tell me, where should we be the salt? Shout it out. Where should we be the salt and light? Out in the world? Work? We're at? Everywhere? But let's be specific. We can throw everywhere on it. We know that, all right? Let's be specific. Okay, help me out here. What? In our community? Bus stop. Bus stop. Very, you're getting specific now. Where else? Grocery store? Home? With our neighbors? Isn't it so easy to run in and out of our houses and not take time for our neighbors? How many of you are with me about that? We have our garage door openers go in, shut the garage, come de- you know, it goes down, and we're inside of our house, and we don't have to touch any of our neighbors. Right? These are the places. What about on Tuesday? Yeah? Say, I cannot believe a pastor talked about that. Good. You're withholding your light if you're not voting. You're not being salt. Do not complain about this country if you're not voting. Say, I don't know who to vote for. Do some homework. Do some homework. But you see, this is not, these are not mutually exclusive things. You being a gospel witness and being, um, being a salt in our community by voting is not, is not two mutually exclusive things. It's all one thing. Just you being who you ought to be as a Christian. I don't doubt at all that Jesus would have taken, uh, taken part in civic duty. Do not doubt it at all. Friends, we are to be salt and light everywhere we go. And what is this about? You can write this down, look at it later. 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 15. The purpose of the church is to be a pillar in the ground of truth, to uphold truth, God's truth, Christ's word in society. That's what we're to be. We are the church, are we not? We are the church. We together, individually, are the church. Where are you going to uphold the, um, the truths of Christ in society? Everywhere you go, you ought to be doing that, being salt, preserving against corruption, being salt, flavoring with Christ, being, uh, being that light, illuminating the way to the Lord Jesus Christ, illuminating what is absolute truth, what you know in your heart to be real. Oh, that God would help us to be salt and light. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me in, in, a, in this time of invitation and just simply ask the Lord with me, Lord, help us to be salt and light this week. Lord, help us to be salt and light. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Now, Lord, we desperately need you. We can't do this on our own. This isn't something that we can conjure up in our own strength. This is, this is something that must happen through your power. And so I pray, Lord, for every believer here this morning that you would help us to be both salt and light in this world, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed. Would you take a a moment here before we leave and would you make this altar a place of prayer? Lord, I want to touch some people. Thanks for joining us for this episode and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.